Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either, but it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I'm Kyle Wenke, Detroit Lions beat writer for MLive, joined uh, as always by Ben Raven. Ben, um, how you how you doing over there? I'm doing all right, man. We're uh, we're getting into the part of the off season where we've been covering the draft for what feels like forever, and I'm really ready to get this thing in the past. So that's that's where I'm at right now. But we're doing all right. Well, we had a conference call with Todd McShay earlier and got through that. <laughs> um, I would say by a Todd McShay standard, relatively unscathed. I, I think of all the draft analysts, he's the one that infuriates me the most. <laughs> and there's so many instances where, um, for me, that has that has borne out. Um, most famously for me, um, and I actually referenced this in our, our um, refer- we, we just did our, our interview, right, with Seth Emerson yeah. from The Athletic. He covers Georgia. We want to talk about Jalen Carter, right? It's like the biggest issue going on right now with with the Lions, I, I think, in, in the in the draft prep, right? Like with three or four quarterbacks going now in the top five, expected to go in the top five, uh, plus Will Anderson. Basically, if Seattle doesn't take Jalen Carter or trade the pick to someone who takes Jalen Carter, then the Lions are going to have this big decision to make. Um on Jalen Carter on the talent, which is obvious at a position of need for still for Detroit going to uh, next year. There's no doubt how that would fit in for Detroit. But of course, there's all these like off the field concerns that we'll get into. Um, so we wanted to cut through some of the noise and, and brought on Seth Emerson. And I had mentioned in the in the interview that's coming up too. But um, you know, when Anthony Barr was coming out, and I can't remember which year it was, maybe. 2014 or 15 I, I don't know we're old now ben so yeah <laughs> um, I, lose, I lose track of time especially especially since covid i feel like post covid like i just cannot keep track of what happened in which year no exactly um, i'm i'm yeah. somewhere between 30 and 35 now i have no idea <laughs> so i guess <laughs> yeah I know. but i remember like anthony barr was like, like this monster prospect top 10 but i know that for a fact the lines love him uh, martin mayhew uh, really loved him wanted to take him um and uh, um, in the days leading up to the draft, Tom McShay just drops this like nuke in the in the in the draft world, saying, "Oh no, there's actually these like character concerns, and he's gonna." I think he ended up mocking him in the twenties, maybe in his final mock. But I think he was talking about maybe the second round. It's a long time ago, so I can't remember the details. But I remember he was dogging Anthony Barr and saying he was gonna fall from the top ten to like, you know, I mean, I mean, right. late day one or day two, uh, and Anthony Barr went. I think it was eighth or seventh or ninth, right, right in that range to to Minnesota. So like, there's been like, there's been there's been examples of that over the years. And and Tom McShay did the same thing this year, where before Jalen Carter even got into some of the off the field stuff that we're going to get into, 
he was talking about character concerns, which like really shocked a lot of people, including people who covered Georgia, because <laughs> Jalen Carter didn't really like there are concerns with the player, but like character ne- wasn't necessarily one of them. It, it is now, but I don't think you can retroactively say that Tom McShay was right just because something happened after, to, you know, McShay mm-hmm. said it. Um, so to your point, Ben, yes, I'm also getting fatigued by the draft process. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so big and people care so much. Uh, our mock drafts, man, some of these things will do better traffic than uh, the game week stores or game stories. It's like, like it, it, it's something I'll never quite understand about covering this sport is how the players who might become a part of a team can do better than what the team is actually doing in season. It's really a bizarre concept to me. No, it's always about what's next, what's next, what's next, you know, and uh, it's, you know, and it's exciting. It's never been more exciting for what's next in Detroit. So I get it for sure. But like, it's, it's definitely like when you see a mock draft, like, tripling the numbers from like a win and late in the season when the team was red hot you're like what the heck is going on here like come on but uh yeah for no sure doubt. for sure uh so speaking of, of what's next right like this 2023 season expectations are are soaring i think is probably the accurate accurate word there um the lines are, are becoming a trendy pick um around the league around the country um they are already the favorite according to vegas to um win the nfc north um it's like easy to understand why after they won eight out of ten down the stretch last year uh my dog is going crazy so hopefully that the, the audio <laughs> is not um too messed up but um <laughs> um so anyway they you know the, obviously the the expectations for detroit next year are, are, are red hot um, did well in free agency to address some of their um, holes, but holes remain. And I think the interior defensive line is one of those biggest holes. And now Jalen Carter um, could be available to them at number six. And and the reason for that is because, you know, he, I mean, he might be him and Will Edison are probably the best non quarterback prospects in this draft. Um, but Jalen Carter also went to the combine and had to fly back to Georgia when two misdemeanor um, charges were levied against him in connection to speed racing down the streets of Georgia. Um, uh, And there was an accident that killed two people, including a a staffer at Georgia and one of Jalen Carter's teammates. And Jalen Carter fled that scene. He was not charged with fleeing a scene or lying to police, but those things happened. Um, And now there's, other fallout around Jalen Carter, including showing up nine pounds heavier a couple of weeks later at his pro day and not making it through the pro day before pulling out. Um, there's reports about him and his work ethic, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it in, in practice. And he needed to have star players around him to push him. I mean, this, Ben, like this is stuff you don't really want to hear about any player. And I, I'm assuming that's particularly true for Detroit, which has drafted guys like Panay Sewell and Aiden uh, Aiden Hutchinson um, in the top 10 past two years, two guys that were known for motor and want to and motivation and nastiness more than almost anything else. And the stuff that's borne out over the last two years has been a a big reason why the lines are where they are now. And you've even seen it in the, the back end of the draft with guys like I'm on Ross St. Brown and Malcolm Rodriguez. I mean, this approach has been very good to them. It's been the biggest reason why this rebuild, which was so vast and comprehensive, is now on track to 
put the lines in contention in year three, um, which I think is something a lot of us didn't expect. Um, but Jalen Carter does not fit that mold, at least based on the headlines. And that's a big reason why we're bringing in Seth Emerson later to kind of cut through some of that. But I guess, Ben, before we get to Seth Emerson, where do you stand on the Lions drafting Jalen Carter at number six if he's there? Well, it's such a mind F right now, to be completely honest with you, because you nailed it perfect. He is the bizarro Panay Sewell. He is the bizarro Aiden Hutchinson, you know? I mean, the questions about his game are the exact opposite of the questions about those two. But um, I've said it from the beginning, and I still feel the way. He is the best on-field football player fit for this team in this draft. And uh, I I have such a hard time passing on him, the football player at number six. But it is. There are these questions, and you're throwing him in to this room that's filled with young guys like James Houston and Josh Pascal and Aiden Hutchinson and stuff. So he's not going to be lifted up by veterans in that room. There's a, <laughs> gosh, yeah, Michael Brockers is gone. So that's like a room of like redshirt college senior aged guys like right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a really tough situation, but I, I am at the point where if Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson are gone, then I am fine with them taking Jalen Carter. I, I I think that the talent, I think that the fact that they have five picks in the first 82 or 83, the fact that they have four in the first 55 or 57 picks, you can take a risk on such a great fit and such a great talent like that. I mean, check the, check the red flags, check everything you need to check. But like, if you feel comfortable with it, I think he is the best on-field fit. I mean, that is someone who makes your defense better. That is someone who lets you play the way you want to play. So I'm on board with it, with the asterisks of making sure Wilson or Anderson are off the board. It's such a tough debate and, and we're coming at it with an incomplete set of information. You know, we're just on the outside. Um, you know, we can see the headlines and what's been charged with and some of these other reports, but we're not out there with our own little detective forces turning over every stone in his life, like every team that is considering drafting him um is doing. And the Lions are doing that. They're investigating. Um they're hosting Jalen Carter on a on a pre-draft visit. Every team gets 30 of those. Um um, and you can bring in a player for a lot of reasons other than than the intention to draft a guy. Sometimes you just want to have intel on a guy you think might be a problem in the league. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes you want to have a guy in, you know, in for a visit, maybe to find out about a teammate. And there's a few of those <laughs> at Georgia that Detroit might be interested in. Um, but I think given where they're, where they're drafting, given Jalen Carter's skill set, um, given their need, you know, the, the, there's a constellation of factors that to me lends credibility to their, their genuine interest to understand the player um, on and off the field and to make the best decision possible on whether to take him or not. Um, Dan Campbell was was asked a little bit about that process at the owners' meetings last week. Um, I thought it was pretty compelling. Um, let's Let's listen in. Yeah, no, I, I think honesty helps, you know, I think you want to know, I think ultimately you want to know, it's one thing like, for example, you know, um, does a player give all that he has on the tape, you know, is he a, uh, is there a player, he's not a lazy player, all right, now, there are plenty of times you'll turn the tape on and the guy's not going to snap the whistle, but it doesn't, it does not deal with laziness, it, they haven't been to- coached, to do it um they haven't had a coach that's been on them or it's just or they just don't know they're just unaware and you get away with some things that ordinarily you wouldn't and that's really they just don't know and so 
I think that's what you're trying to figure out. And you go through the character when you start talking about, uh, man, the position coach. You start talking to the head coach. You start talking to the, uh, the resources at the school. And, and then you begin to develop, hey, man, this is what this guy's really like. Uh, like you talk about Carter. I mean, uh, we talked to a, a teammate of his the other day. And, uh, man, he told us some things we didn't, we didn't know that nobody probably would have known. It was like, oh, it's interesting. It's pretty good. It's all, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, he's not leaning one way to the other, but it shows you the the investigation that's already underway, and um, they're trying to figure out what's what's best for them. I'm, I'm I understand where you're coming from, Ben, and I can't say that you're wrong in that you would take him. Uh, I, I can't say that's wrong uh, because just just given the talent, and you know, I think it's really important to underscore the point that he's been charged with two misdemeanors, and for as ugly as that accident is, the optics are terrible he made a terrible choice in connection with an event that killed two people including a teammate which i i think is also a point that has to be made it's not just uh people which is already horrific enough but like from a football sense which is what you're trying to like ascertain from a team perspective this guy fled the scene where a teammate was in a fiery deadly crash i mean is that a good teammate you know like what's this guy made of um but as as you and i both know ben uh (laughs) Um, college kids, teenagers uh, make mistakes, uh, especially um, top football prospects. I mean, it happens, um, and it, it's horrific in, in this example. Um, but it's not disqualifying. Someone's going to take this guy. He's he's so good that someone will do it. And as a team, you just have to understand what exactly happened, how comfortable you are with it. And do you think it's going to repeat itself? Is he going to continue to make decisions like this? Or do you believe that he has what it takes to um, make better choices once he's given millions of dollars and and, and football fame at the next level? Um, I guess for me, in a super windy, roundabout way, I would avoid drafting him. And I think the Lions will be in a position to do that. Um you know, they're at number six. There's there's going to be at least three quarterbacks taking the top five, maybe as many as four, plus Will Anderson. I think Tyree Wilson is going to be there. And even if he's not and Will Anderson's not, you got two great cornerbacks. Devin, Devon Witherspoon is an ideal fit for what the Lions need and want at that position. It, it, to, to, to me, it's, it's not Jalen Carter or bust. And at some point, some team is going to have to make that decision and that call. And maybe they will end up with a guy that makes everyone else regret not taking him. But I think the risk is such that like, like you're taking on a chance that he won't be, he, he has made bad decisions one after another, after another, after another. And this is before you've given him millions of dollars. And I think if you are in a position to avoid taking on that risk, then I think you probably could do it. Um, and I think the Lions are in that spot. And that's what they've done before. We talked about Aiden Hutchinson and Panay Sewell. I mean, Amon Ra, like all, like the blueprint that has gotten them from point A to point B in record time, um, that's not a blueprint that Jalen Carter fits. Um, and of course, there's the off the field stuff. But even some of the whispers about work ethic, um, you know, showing up for his pro day overweight. Um, and again, he's going through some real shit then. So, you know, you have to, you have to understand it through that context, but still there's going to be shit in the NFL too. And if a guy can't manage his weight at the most important critical time of his interview process to come into the league, then what makes you think he's going to be able to manage it for a week 12 game against Carolina or whatever? Um, 
and the talent is great. There's no doubt about it. If they took him, then they've done their homework, and I and I don't have a problem with it. Although you're obviously taking on a risk, and I I just if I were the GM, if I was Brad Holmes, and Tyree Wilson's there, or Javon Witherspoon is there, or maybe a trade back scenario, you give the pick to somebody who's willing to take on that risk, and you had your draft capital. Those are the avenues that would go over Jalen Carter. Yeah, I mean, I and I don't even disagree with you either because it's just such a clouded situation and he's not my top option if they're for everything you just said. But I will say, I feel like this type of opportunity, we haven't had to see it yet, but like this type of opportunity is where the relatability, the genuine, like the genuine nature and like the former players on Dan Campbell's staff could kind of like come to the rescue on this guy. Like I really do trust Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn's ability to connect with these young players because we've seen it. Like we've seen it. I don't know if that fits the situation here with Carter, but I do think that the Lions, just because they don't have a veteran locker room or like veterans littered over that defensive line, I do think that they are more equipped to handle a situation like this just because of the guys they have on their staff, how they have proven to work with these young guys and stuff like that. So I do think it would be a good situation, like in theory for the, like that coaching staff. I mean, yeah, he doesn't fit the blueprint of what they've been taking, but I do think that there could be something there to, and I would trust those guys more than most to get it out of him. But yeah, it's a, it's a murky, murky waters. I think you make good points, Ben. Uh, and the, the support system is there in Detroit. Unlike, unlike before, I don't think they even like poke around with this um, yeah. a year or two ago. Um, but even Dan Campbell had said, um, and we're getting a little long here, uh, we got to get to the interview, so we don't have time to plug it in. But basically, Dan had said that he believes the locker room is to, has developed to a point where they can take on a guy who doesn't maybe check all their usual boxes. Um, but if you do that with Jalen Carter, you're 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 obviously you're betting on yourself that you can get the best out of him. But you're betting on Jalen Carter that he is receptive to that. I think the talent speaks for itself. I don't there, there's not a question about his talent. It's about are you are you going to get the best version of Jalen Carter? Is he going to maintain his consistency once you give him millions of dollars um, when he had some issues doing that at Georgia um, in practice? Um, there's reports that he needed to lean heavily on the Kobe Dean and some other guys um, to go hard in games and to give some of that consistency. Who knows there, you know, how much validity there is to that stuff. That's why I brought in Seth Emerson. We'll get to him in just a moment, but um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting debate. I think I would, if I was the Lions, if I was Brad Holmes, I would err toward caution. I would understand the pick, but you better be damn sure of your intel on him because you're rolling the dice on a guy, whereas you, you wouldn't have to necessarily roll uh, as much on, on Tyree Wilson, who I think is like he, they play different positions and they would have different roles up front. Mm-hmm. But damn, he would affect the game. He would be a plus-plus addition. He would weaponize the pass rush in a way um, that it isn't right now. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal and on, the oncoming of of um, James Houston. And you got Romeo and, and Charles Harris back on, on flyers at, at discounted rates. So these, are, these are good things for your pass rush. But man, you add Tyree Wilson to that. This, I, I mean, I saw him at the combine. He, he, like, he has the length of Giannis. I mean, yeah. this guy's like six, eight <laughs> or something like that. Um, like putting that length, that power, um and and versatility by the way like he can play up and down the line a little bit too um he's also an ideal fit for what they want to do and i think the best version of jalen carter against the best version of tyree wilson i would take for this team at this time um jalen carter but you don't know you're getting that but you do i think have a sense of what you're getting in tyree wilson 
And even if Tyree Wilson is gone, I also really like Devon Witherspoon. Some other people like Christian Gonzalez. I think Devon Witherspoon is probably a little bit better fit for Detroit, um, just in the totality of the player. Um, but it's a it's a it's a tough choice, and it's a it's why it's why Brad Holmes gets paid gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, without further ado, let let's check in with Seth Emerson from the Athletic, a guy who covered Jalen Carter throughout his career at Georgia, and can really, I think, cut through some of the noise that we're dealing with in terms of um, that player on and off the field. All right, we are joined now by Seth Emerson, the uh, Athletic beat writer for covering uh, at Georgia, the SEC, uh, college football beyond. Seth, thank you for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me. But I've been talking a little bit about Jalen Carter, who you're obviously eminently familiar with. Um, the lines have emerged as, as one of the, the favorites to land him. Um, I see some of the books, including DraftKings, now have the Lions as a D favorite to land him. And that that fit makes sense, um, you know, given how good Jalen Carter is, um, particularly at, at defensive tackle. And defensive tackle is, I would say, probably the most immediate uh, remaining need for Detroit. So, a lot of ways the 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 match checks boxes, but obviously with some of the things that have emerged this offseason off the field with the arrest, um, uh, the the you know he, he played no contest to the uh, allegations of uh, street racing, uh, and, and the connection with the accident that killed two people in Georgia. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of just noise out there, which happens in in the draft yeah. cycle. Um, even to players who have clean sheets and, and Jalen Carter at this point has some questions in that regard. So there's a lot of noise. I, I you know, we wanted to, to hit up somebody who maybe had yeah. a, a more personal connection to um, Jalen Carter as a human and as a football player, and, and maybe hopefully cut through some of that noise. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll start with this stuff. Um, you know, anyone can turn on the tape and see what Jalen Carter is. He's a monster. Um, you know, it's, as I said, there's all the headlines out there now, too, um, which we've all seen, and we can get to that in a bit, maybe. Um, but I guess the first question I wanted to ask you, just as someone who's actually been around the guy, um, what what can you tell us beyond maybe the tape and the headlines about um, this guy on and off the field? Quiet kid. Uh, one of the reasons that he didn't do much media here. Now, Georgia kind of – Georgia decides who's going to do media, but – they didn't put Jalen Carter front and center. He wasn't one of their regular speakers. I think he may have done one Georgia organized media session, and then he did the required ones around the playoff uh, this year. Last year it was Zoom, so he didn't have to do it. Um, you know, he, he just he's not comfortable uh, in the spotlight, and that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. You know, just go play football, kind of thing. Um, as far as, you know, it's interesting with him, with the off the field stuff, there's really two events. One of them is real. One of them is the racing incident where he was racing the other car that crashed that night. Uh, and he was charged with two misdemeanors. And when it first came out, he was about to talk at the combine yeah. and then he didn't. So it was very dramatic and it had this effect when it hit Twitter, when it hit the wires. I don't know if anybody ever says anymore, it hit the wires, but those, <laughs> what, you know, over 40 know what that means. It was this 
huge deal of, oh, you know, this changes everything in the draft, you know, NFL career over before it started. And it was like, hold on. These are misdemeanors. Right, right. This, and people were saying that, you know, we got to find out what else comes out of this. And it was like, nope, the this is these are the charges. This is what it's going to be. And that's what it was. He wasn't charged with leaving the scene. He wasn't charged with, uh, you know, doing anything that caused the deaths, you know, vehicular manslaughter or anything like, like that. It was reckless driving and racing. And he didn't end up doing any jail time. Um, th- his lawyer, who is a experienced Athens, Georgia lawyer, and his agent people, they they did well to get that done. Um, now, there will still be questions because, you know, he he also had some speeding tickets before that, including going, I think it was 88 in a 45 uh, last fall. But he's also not the only athlete who's gotten a speeding ticket and a a hefty speeding ticket that's the one real event that happened and that's been taken care of the other one was before this and it was when todd mcshay was talking about jalen carter in i believe it was november he said that in relation to his prospect status that there's going to be character questions that he have to answer and that wasn't referencing anything tangible so at you know when people looked back when the when the charges happened in march a lot of people say oh todd mcshay was right well todd mcshay wasn't seeing the future that this was going to happen so what was todd mcshay referencing when i talked to my own people you know first off you talk to people at georgia and they're like no i mean he's a quiet kid but you know he's not a locker room cancer or anything like that um in fact you know he when he sprained his mcl earlier last season some people said well why doesn't he just leave you know turn pro he's already got one national championship ring don't risk it and he did come back and that's something kirby smart cited is that he could have left and not played again but he he ended up coming back um what mcshay apparently was referencing was basically character was the wrong word it was more like want to you know some people mistake being quiet shy with not basically wanting to do what it takes you know relying on your own talents you know etc cetera, etc cetera. um i'm not sure people at georgia would say that. i mean his teammates came to his rescue uh via social media and interviews when they were asked about it but then obviously the stuff came out in march and that on top of what McShay said uh, leads, leads to the questions. And I'm sure that the lions and everybody else considering drafting Jalen Carter are going through his history with a fine tooth comb to find out if there's something there that we in the media locally don't know about. Um, by the way, he's from Florida. So it's not like he's, you know, he's not a Georgia kid who we all know his inner circle people and high school coaches and whatever. So maybe there's something there at some point, but, that those are the two things that when you talk about the Jalen Carter off field concerns are there. Yeah. I was standing about, I don't know, eight, 10 feet away from his podium <laughs> at the combine when the word came down. I mean, I was looking at my phone. I, I think I'd actually seen it before anyone else had, of the reporters I was talking to. And I was like, you guys are are not going to believe this. Which is yeah. like, they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, just look at your phone. <laughs> like it's going to be the, the only thing you see over the next, you know, half hour. Yeah. 
Um, I think the most important thing you that I heard you say there, uh, Seth, and it's something that Ben and I talked about previously on, on this podcast, written about, is the word misdemeanor. Like, these aren't felonies. He's the, the accident is terrible, but what he's actually been charged with and now pled no contest to are two misdemeanors. Teams uh, are going to take a player this talented with, with two misdemeanor uh, charges um, on his record. It's really a matter of deciding from a team perspective, when are you going to take the, the, the risk, if you will, or the gamble that, that this guy, uh, you know, the talent um, will play out over a long period of time and he will obviously sort out the off the field stuff that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, um, a calculation every team is making it's a calculation the lions have avoided but even they through this going you know going through this process have said they're in a position now culturally and with the strength of their locker room that maybe they could take um a guy with some red flags or concerns or whatever kind of descriptor you want to put on it um so I guess as it relates to Jalen Carter, and this is probably the, the biggest question I wanted to ask you, um, and it follows up nicely to what you said there, is the is the the want to, as you put it, the motor, um, the work ethic, um, because like you said, I mean, the top exchanges in the world can say stuff and throw it against a wall. It, it doesn't always mean it's true. I, I remember distinctly Anthony Barr when he's coming out a million years ago. He's like a top 10 prospect. And it was like two, three weeks before the draft. And McShay said he's falling, you know, later part of the first round, maybe the second round because, you know, quote unquote character issues. And the guy ended up going like eighth or ninth overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because that that gas is out there on Twitter or wherever else doesn't mean it's it's true. So as a guy who covers Georgia, has connections um, with the program, has been around, knows better than we do, obviously. I, I, I wanted to ask just to, to follow up, I guess about those particular concerns because the way the Lions draft has really been profiling players um, with strong motors and want to guys like, uh, you know, famously Aiden Hutchinson last year um, and, and so on. So I guess, what can you tell us about Jan Car- Carter's work ethic, his mm-hmm. practice habits um, and and that sort of thing? I, I can say that there's, when the players came to his defense and, said you know that he doesn't have any character problems and that they they love him and everything he's just a quiet guy and blah 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 i think they were saying it because character to a lot of people means it means that it means like is this a bad guy and mcshay from everything i understand chose his words poorly he should have said something along the lines of does this guy have like what we're talking about the want to and honestly, we we have to see about that. Uh, I, I can't sit here and say that I've heard for sure that he's you know, someone who is always at it in the locker room. Um, he, he probably hasn't had to. Um, as I will say, though, he <laughs> he was on a defensive line last year at Georgia that had three first round picks and. And and there's still talent coming back, which is is a long way of saying, even at the college level, Jalen Carter couldn't have come in here and played just based on his own abilities. He would have had some want to here to get on the field. Uh, there there's there was too much talent around him. You know, he was dealing with you know he was essentially competing with Devontae Wyatt, his first round pick last year, and. He 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 got playing time. Um, this year he was a guy who 
you know, they, they didn't talk about him really being out of shape very much. Um, you know, I, I, there was talk here and there about like, you know, maybe drop a few pounds, maybe put on a few pounds, but nothing like really glaring. Uh, that isn't to say though. I mean, I, I, you can't, I've learned that you can't say automatically that someone won't change once they go pro. Um, if anything, maybe it's it's good that these red flags are out there now versus later. Uh, Georgia had Isaiah Wilson, and um, I talked to Sam Pittman about him, and Sam Pittman said there was nothing in his mm-hmm. time at Georgia or his recruit that said that he was going to flake out completely the way he has in the NFL. Um, they had DeAndre Baker, who you know also flaked out once he got to the NFL. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that you got to NFL teams need to do their research on. And, and I think Georgia needs to do a good job of being honest with them. Um, maybe Georgia has been a little bit protective of players, even not just to the media, but like to NFL teams and scouts. And so they have to make sure that they keep those relationships good with the NFL and that NFL people know that Georgia is always going to be honest with them. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's something that, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Does Jalen Carter completely push himself at the NFL level? Um, and, you know, maybe all this motivates him in a way to do that. Maybe you get a wake-up call uh, when there are these quote-unquote character questions that come out. On the other hand, if he does go number five, number six, number seven, he might just say, eh, you know, I'm good. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, speaking of that want to and desire and, you know, the possible motivation coming out of the combine, I think like it was a week or two later that the pro day reports came out that he shows up nine pounds heavier and, you know, the associated press wires littered with photos of him laying on his back like he just ran a marathon. So I'm just kind of I mean, you make a great point. I mean, you can't just show up to Georgia and lay on your back and expect to play on Saturdays. But I'm just kind of curious your reaction to that. Is that a 22 year old kid going through some stuff or is that kind of a problem? I wonder, number one, he uh, the next morning was when the plea deal came out. So this may have been a case of he had more on his mind um, and he wasn't totally concentrating on what he should have. Um, uh, you know, on the other hand, you, you need to compartmentalize at the NFL level uh, to be a great player. So that that could be another red flag. Um, it also... I, <laughs> Drew Rosenhaus isn't his agent. So if this was the case, I think it would probably have, you know, been planted. He would have told some people, but I did wonder watching him there, whether he was a little sick, Hmm. Uh, that could have been some of it. Um, But again, maybe his, maybe he was overweight at his pro day workout. They need to get that weight down, but it's not like this is something that kept him from being on the field for the real games at Georgia. Uh, so I, I wouldn't ding him, you know, down. I would not pick him because of the pro day workout. Uh, but I would definitely work him out and make sure that he's getting that weight back down and he's able to do those forties and he's able to do that workout. Um, if, if he also, you know, it kind of flunks your own personal workout, then yeah, that's, that's bad. If you were an NFL GM and you had a, a sixth overall pick and you had a need uh, into your defensive line, would you draft Jalen Carter knowing um, what you know? 
Yeah, I think I would. Um, you know, the the Falcons fans I know <laughs> that are, are around here. Um, I'm not one. I'm agnostic on the NFL uh, <laughs> team, but um, I grew up a fan of the team in Washington and, you know, maybe I'll resume that when there's a new owner, but um, <laughs> you know, the, the Falcons fans want him. They, they want him to slip to them. Uh, you know, they, they don't want <laughs> the, and, and I agree with them because these are people around here who have watched the sec for years. Uh, they don't want to trade up for, a quarterback knowing that, you know, they, you know, if you're not going to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, people are, are like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Really? Like, really? Um, they, yeah. And they want, and they're Will Anderson is somebody who, you know, there's some thought there, but I think there's also, you know, edge rushers are maybe a little bit more plentiful than a guy like Jalen Carter who can yeah. play, multiple spots move around they did so many things with him kirby smart talked about him being a guy that could uh you know take their defense to another level and and his stats don't jalen carter in the nf in, in college don't tell the story um because number one he was double teamed almost every snap he took um but also because he played on such a talented defense that there weren't many stats to go around. Like a lot of, a lot of players got and and, and Georgia has been so good on defense that they're, they're not on the field very much. They're forcing a lot of three and outs. Um, they're forcing a lot of short drives. Uh, so it, you just kind of take the word of people that watched Jalen Carter and, and at Georgia and said, yeah, he, he affects the game. If you can nail down that he's not going to, flake out off the field that, you know, get him in for a workout and have it cancel out the pro day thing. Um, yeah. I'd have confidence in, in taking him. Stats can be misleading for any player. I think that's particularly true for linemen. I mean, most particularly uh, interior linemen, they don't always tell the full picture of what a guy's doing or maybe even what his responsibilities are in a given play or a scheme or a um, sub package or, or so on. Um the the tape i mean again it, uh, he's a monster it, 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 you watch this guy play you can see why people rave about him mm -hmm. um i'm i'm curious um given how much georgia football you've seen and seeing jalen carter used over the years how did georgia deploy him uh, and i know versatility is a big thing in the lions defense i guess specifically um what do you see in regards to his uh versatility of, of usage up front what was interesting about him was that I remember watching Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis was pretty much a nose purely. Uh, Devontae Wyatt was a guy that was, you know, moved around a little bit, but, and then with Trayvon Walker on that line, you know, they, they kind of had their assigned spots. Jalen Carter this past year, they moved around a lot when he was in there. Now he missed a couple games with a sprained MCL, but He's a guy they would loan, line up over center. They'd line up on, over the guards or in between. Um, you know, they do three technique, two technique, five technique. They, they'd move him around a lot. They He got a lot of snaps. I'm trying to remember. Well, I don't think his defensive snaps will be a great indicator this year because he missed some games. But um, he got a lot. He was on the field almost every time, uh, almost every significant snap. And – that actually, that may not sound impressive, but 
Jordan Davis wasn't always on the field. Devontae yeah. Wyatt and Traylon Walker weren't always on the field because Georgia has been so talented on defense that they rotate. And that's part of their secret sauce is when you're as talented as they are, they, they rotate so they keep guys fresh throughout the game. But Jalen Carter, they felt good about as a first down guy, second down guy, third down guy. Um, not every single down, but he played a lot more than most very good defensive linemen I've, I've seen at Georgia. Seth, I think that's uh, what we got for you. We appreciate All right. the insights. There's just, you know, it's it's hard. Like the draft industrial complex is 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 just become a monster, and you get these cycles every year with you know yeah. a guy or two or three where it's almost like the new cycle itself becomes its own like entity, and um, we're just trying to cut through the bullshit as much as possible <laughs> and figure out about yeah. a guy who um, is obviously a, a, a very tantalizing player for Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like I said, I can't guarantee the guy is going to be you know, boom or bust. Yeah. We, we, we know the red flags now. Um, and it's going to be up to Jalen Carter to prove that the red flags are behind him. It'd be one of the situations too. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like him going to uh, a, a program that's maybe not rebuilding or super young or with a locker room with a bunch of, um, I don't know, questionable cases might be a good situation for him to go to a place that's strong and on good footing and has coaches that can and, and players who can keep him on track. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, that's the thing with Georgia is that uh, they've had some guys, you know, that while they've had off field issues with him and a couple other guys, they they have continued to win. They've actually taken guys. They, they've got a good culture in terms of taking guys and um you know Jalen Carter's quote unquote issues didn't weren't an issue during the year uh they they took a guy who had who was basically dismissed from Clemson in 2020 um and he was a key starter for them in 2021 so that lesson might be that maybe you do need to get him on a winner um and in a good get him around a good culture um maybe he's the kind of guy who needs to be engaged uh and i guess that's the big question for the lions is, you know, maybe you feel like you've got a good culture, but are you going to be a winner? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but he, he's not a, he's not a locker room lawyer type guy. Like I said, he's a shy, quiet guy. Uh, so he, he's, he's not going to be the guy going around the locker room causing trouble that way. It's more, is he going to be in the locker room? Is he going to be in the weight room? Is he going to do it, everything he can to get that extra edge rather than just rely on his own talent? Seth Everson covers uh, the University of Georgia, um, the SEC, and college football at large for The Athletic. Uh, Seth, thank you very much for taking your time. No problem, guys. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.